much love. Matchmaker, matchmaker, make me a match. Find me a find. Catch me a catch. It's episode 32, season four of Ravage Love. Hi, Julie. Hello, Renee. How are you? Oh, I mean, fiddling. We're fiddling. <laughs> We're fiddling up on these roofs. It's matchmaker week here on Ravage Love, and I cannot believe that we've been doing this show for four seasons and. We've never had a dedicated matchmaker theme. Mm-hmm. They've they've snuck it in. Yeah, they've snuck it in for sure. But no, never anything specific. So I am. I mean, my book was forgettable, but uh, I am eager to hear what you read. And um, yeah, so not off to a great start. But this is um, our last kind of typical theme week um, before we hop into the holiday season. Uh, so I picked a matchmaker book that I easily could have read last week. So do you want to hear? Oh, do you want to hear what I read this week? I'm ready. I read a book called Laser with a Z, focused oh. by oh Gina Robinson. Um, And little fun facts about Gina Robinson is she's a best-selling and award-winning author of the billionaire matchmaker rom-com series. Oh, okay. And this book is the first in the series and it came out in 2016. It was about 150 pages or so. And it is about a billionaire. (laughs) So it's funny because last week I read a book about Greek billionaires and now I have myself another billionaire and I hope it's the universe's way of saying that a billionaire is coming my way only so that I can put them in jail because I don't think billionaires (laughs) should exist and my argument all the time is Dolly Parton should easily be a billionaire but she's not because she's generous with her money so I don't respect billionaires I do respect a millionaire and if you are a millionaire and you're single (laughs) hey oh call me but This book has a very cliched premise. It has a very cliched looking cover, Uh, but I was surprised in a good way. So who is our protagonist, Renee? Well, his name is Mm -hmm. Laser Grayson. (laughs) Oh, that's a choice. Exactly. Hence the laser focused pun of a title. So Laser Grayson is a billionaire playboy in Seattle whose priorities are, and this is a direct quote, direct quote from the book, sex, business, and money. And he's a former awkward geek who was, was and continues to be very much into gaming and programming. And he's been named, he had his glow up, if you will, uh, and has since been named Seattle's hottest bachelor, twice 
and he goes to the bar one night after work just wanting to have a bit of a little nightcap before he goes back home and he spots this beautiful woman who is standing out because she's kind of overdressed for that kind of a bar and the bar is overwhelmingly awkward geeky men who work in the tech sector who are gawking at this woman but they don't have the balls to approach her so he's like well this feels like a challenge so he goes up to her and it turns out her name is Ashley Hart H-A-R-T-E and she is a New York based matchmaker and her business is called Heartmates and it turns out that she um, had a job in finance uh, but loved to hook up her friends like was a big fan of matchmaking and her grandmother was kind of an unofficial matchmaker she just had a knack for it never wanted to get paid never wanted thanks she just like took joy in matching people and so Ashley worked in finance full-time but also just delighted and you know all of these friends that I introduced in college and then they got married and now they have children and I just love being a part of people's romance stories and she married a man named Rock <laughs> and <laughs> I wish it was Rock-Vazin, but instead it's R-U-C-K like Rock um, and then her husband died in action so that's short for ruckus I fucking hope so <laughs> <laughs> so her and Ruckus, uh, but Ruckus had too much of a ruckus and he died uh, in action in the military. So she's 29 and she's widowed and she works full time in this really bumping job as a matchmaker. So she has incredible demand, lots of clients, very busy, well to do. And she was able to do that because she took the life insurance money that the military gave to her for her husband's death. And she just said, fuck it. I'm going to quit my job in finance and I'm going to live my dream. And it was the right thing to do because her business takes off in a big way. The problem is in New York, there are way more men than there are uh, women. And so mm. um, like sort of highfalutin educated men with good careers da, 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 versus women. And so she's her business is in a bit of a slump and kind of going into a bit of a downward spiral because she's having a hell of a time finding matches for these women. And in fact, has had to sort of turn women away if they're over 30, because she's like, I just like, I can't meet the demand of what these women are looking for. And many of them are not willing to date a blue collar man. And if they were, then I could match them because there's a lot of blue collar folk in New York. So she's like, there's this weird sort of discrepancy where it's like the new taboo culturally is an interracial dating. It's like interclass uh, dating, oh. which I thought was really interesting. And I sort of read into it and it's like a very real thing that's happening right now where like more and more women are getting educated and in fact, graduate more from university than men do. Um, and so, the, the, you know, they have high standards of like, I've, you know, I've worked really hard to have a good career. I want someone who also has a great career. Um, and, but they're having a hell of a time finding men who are willing to settle down. Uh, and that's what her whole shtick is. She's like, I'm not here to just get people laid. You can just take Tinder if you want to do that. I'm here to find like lasting relationships. And it's really on the struggle bus in New York. But I heard there are, um, 
way lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of men in Seattle that are looking for women because it's the tech sector uh, and they're kind of like its own little like Silicon Valley in Seattle. So there's all of these like educated men. Many of them are a little bit awkward maybe, um, but women, so women in Seattle don't have to try because there's far more men than there are women. And so women are just like, well, I can have my pick of the litter. So I don't have to really put in the effort. So she's like, I'm going to go to Seattle. I'm going to see if this is really what's happening. And then I'm going to try to figure out if maybe I should open up a West Coast office. So she went to the bar to scope out and realized, yep, this is very much the case. There are lots of eligible men here. I got to open up a business and really sort of start marrying them off. But then Mr. Laser comes up to her and she was like, oh, I know who you are. (laughs) You think I don't know who you are? You're the you know, sexiest bachelor in Seattle and I'm a matchmaker. So like I spotted you, don't you worry. Um, And they start chatting and there's flirty banter and they're both really smart and they're kind of doing that back and forth. And then she's thinking to herself, fuck man, I wanted to recruit this dude because he would be really good for my business. But now I'm like, fuck, he's really hot. And he is like even more charming than I thought he would be. And it doesn't come off like a player he just seems really sincere and like all the things that women love he made eye contact was listening attentively asked follow-up questions things that you and i know renee are fucking impossible to find (laughs) and he happens to also be a billionaire so she's like oh man i don't know that i want to recruit this dude anymore more than i want to fuck him so he picks her up at the bar and then he's like, let me take you out to dinner. They go to dinner and all of, she's sort of going through in her mind, all of these like green flags that this dude has. Like he has a lot of money, but he's not showy about it. And he orders a really like obscure bottle of wine that isn't the most expensive bottle of wine. So she's like, okay, he clearly actually has like a really good palate for this. And she's like, fuck it. Like I haven't gotten laid since my husband, like I gotta go to pound town with this dude. Like he's just too hot not to. And she, but she's telling him, you know, like, you should really join my service. It's really time to settle down. You know, you're going to get taken advantage of by someone because you're so wealthy. And he's like, why would I give up my freedom? And, you know, I have the best sex of my life. And she's like, well, all the research shows that people have better sex when they're in paired relationships because you get to know each other. And he's like, oh, I can know a woman's body and what she wants just by looking at her. And she's like, oh, yeah, challenge accepted. So they go back <laughs> to his condo, they bang it out. Um, it's hot. I would say it's very hot, very consensual, very much pleasure-based for her. So, like, he clearly does actually say the things that he, like, means the things that he says because he's, like, very attentive to her. And she's just like, oh, God. And then she's like, okay, I got to fly out tomorrow. Bye. But then, of course, flies home and is like, I can't stop thinking about this dude. What the fuck? Was this a mistake? Like, he's in Seattle. What am I doing? He's a fucking billionaire playboy. Like, what am I doing? And then... She's like, well, I gave him my number and stuff, so I guess I'll hear from him. And instead goes to the office and finds a ginormous bouquet of flowers and a note being like, it was really nice to meet you. Let me know if you ever do want to come back and do business here sometime. Um, And cut to him on the West Coast. He also can't stop thinking about her and has really started ruminating on all the things that she said about how people are, you know, men live longer when they're in relationships and they feel more fulfilled in life and da 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 da. So his friends and him are out for drinks or whatever and they one of them starts talking about like, "Oh man, I think like I'm ready to settle down." And they're all like, "Damn, for real?" And then they're all like, "You know what? 
I kind of want to too. And like, I know it's not cool to talk about, but, and then laser starts telling them all these stats that he just learned about like, actually, yeah, like da, 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 da. And so then they're getting drunker and drunker and they're sort of ruminating on these stories. And then they come to this idea. Why don't we create an app where unlike Tinder and all of those places where you're kind of just like, who's in my area, you could sort of say, Hey, I am single and I'm at this restaurant. Come meet me. And then if anyone is in the area or then you could look and be like, Oh, there's a lot of single women at, this particular bar tonight, let's go there. It'll increase our chances rather than like all of these single people going out into the world and not finding each other. Um, but having it not just be like a formal date where you have to, but just like kind of almost like making it a little bit more organic of just like bumping into someone at a bar. Um, and so they have this great big idea and they're like, okay, well we got to, Oh, we're going to do this. And you know, we're all a bunch of fucking tech nerds. We can do this. And then lasers like, yeah, I will put my money behind it. Let's do it. Next day, he flies to New York, shows up at Ashley's office, unexpected, and she's obviously excited to see him, but like, what you don't call, you don't text, I haven't heard from you in two weeks, you sent me flowers, I haven't heard from you since, and then you show up at my fucking doorstep, and he's like, yeah, because I want to go into business with you, and he's like, I want you to sign this non-disclosure agreement so that you don't sell my trade secrets to other people, and I want you to come to Seattle with 15 top-shelf women. And let's beta test this thing and let's get them on the app and let's get them out in the world and let's get them matched up. I know lots of great single guys who are looking for women. I know people who can put together this app. Let's do it. And she's like, okay, but I can't just tell these women to leave their fancy jobs in New York and come to Seattle for three months to hopefully meet the man of their dreams. And he's like, well, um, I work in the tech sector so I can find them jobs. I can find them contracts so they can come for a few months. And, um, then you can also uh, open up your business here if you find that it works. So I get to build an app that makes a bunch of money and you get to open up your West Coast office, which is great. And then he kisses her to seal the deal and starts kind of putting the moves on her. And she's like, I don't date clients. Sorry. Uh, That's not legally binding. (laughs) She's like, I don't date clients. You decided we're in business together. That's how it's going to be. And he's like, well, let's, uh, let's see about that. Once you move to Seattle and maybe you'll, change your mind the end oh yeah so i thought it was it's a really good standalone book but i thought it was like a very good way of leading into a sequel because it was like still a complete story on its own still spicy still all of that stuff but then also intriguing to be like okay do they end up just being clients or do they start fucking or do they do both? We do not know. I do not know. Um, so in terms of spice, very spicy, not just because like the sex scene was like very hot, but also there, like there was palpable sexual chemistry between the two of them. And I just want this woman, Gina Robinson, who wrote this book to mentor so many of the people whose books we've read who like, the words are there on paper, but it's never believable that there's actual sexual chemistry between the two of them, you know? Like, it just doesn't feel real that these people are vibing. This, the way she's writing it, you're like, oh my god, I can picture it. I've been in those moments. You're just, like, having a conversation with someone, and it's all above board, but you can feel the sexual tension mounting. Like, she nailed that. So, um, there's also a big funny plot, like, little tidbit about how 
everyone in Seattle just eats salmon. Um, so <laughs> I'm going to give it five out of five spicy salmon sushis. Ooh, yum, yum, yum. Yum, yum, yum. And then because it's a sort of bi-coastal app situation, the accoutrement that I'm going to go with is one of those app-controlled vibrators that uh, if folks are not familiar, get into it. If you're in a long-distance relationship, one person has the vibrator, the other person has the app, and you can like literally use it like a remote control across the world. Um, So What a time to be alive. What a fucking time to be alive. Truly. I mean, on Friday, I was looking up one of my favorite sex stores was having a Black Friday sale, and it was like, sex doll 50 percent off so for fifteen hundred dollars you could get a real yeah from twenty five hundred dollars that's a steal i just thought imagine saying i spent fifteen hundred dollars on a black friday sale to buy a sex doll i thought what a fucking time to be alive we are in so um laser focused you were a delightful surprise bizarre like cheesy names cliched cover and yet really smart, quite feminist, I would argue, um, and spicy. Okay. Yeah, I was real excited. I was like very, I had low expectations for this book, which, you know, maybe is not fair to the author, but it is what it is. But I was uh, quite surprised. Yeah. So wow. still, I'm dying to know, what is this forgettable novel that you read this week, Renee? Okay, well, I actually have a few things to say about your book oh, please and do. what you've been talking about. So first thing is like, yeah, spending $1,500 on like a real doll seems like a lot on a Black Friday deal, but you would spend that same amount on like a reborn doll. So I feel like, you know, different strokes are different folks, right? And I'm not saying people are fucking these new, like, re- you know, reborn dolls, but like those those baby dolls are really expensive, they showed up in my in my inbox along with every other company I've ever visited online, and uh, would I ev- I would never buy one, frankly. But um, I get companionship. I understand. I totally do, and you're absolutely correct. Like I, of all of the things, like there was a time when I used to think, oh my god, those like pocket pussies. Like, what do you call those um, flashlights? I was like, oh my god, dudes are fucking flashlights. Like, this is so weird. But then I thought. I'm fucking a like castrated dick. Do you know what I'm saying? Like a dildo is like, if to a man, a dildo must be like, oh damn, you literally cut this off my body and that's all you care about. So I, yeah. yeah. So again, I mean, if you're fucking a sex doll, then, you know, at least, you know, I don't, you're not hurting anybody. Like it's like, so you do you. I just couldn't. I mean, again, I've never actually seen any of these sex dolls in real life. And like, you know, like we're both kids from the 80s. Like uh, what we grew up with was like very awful blow up dolls that I'm like, no one actually fucks this. So like, (laughs) I I think that's why I just have that in my mind. But, you know, they look and feel very realistic, apparently. So, I mean, I just think about like the shipping. Like, how does it arrive at your house? Is it a dis? Is she dismembered in a box? Like, genuinely, how do these people? How do they? No, they they come in like a Barbie style box. So, like, there's like a plastic window, so you can see it. So people are like, "Oh, is it a sex doll? Is it a toy? We don't know." And they they don't ask questions beyond that. You're lying. Yeah, I am. (laughs) (laughs) No, it comes in a casket. That's what's disturbing about it. Is they come in like a crate. So that's what makes it feel Yeah, it's a major award, ser- Julie. <laughs> that's what makes it feel super serial killery is that it's like here's a casket where I bought this lady friend. 
Uh, I prefer to think that it's a giant Barbie. Yeah, that's what I'm going to go with. Uh, again, I fill had, your boots, people. Yeah. Go for it. Do what you got to do. Uh, two other points. Yeah. Um, dating within a class is very difficult. You know, people are like, I'm a Sagittarius and I never <laughs> date a Leo. Like, I, that's for real. But like dating in a compatible class, like I'm a paladin and I would never date a bard. Like that, <laughs> it's not compatible. It wouldn't work. Um, and the last thing is, I don't know why this person's writing romance novels when they have like this million dollar app idea because <laughs> that would do so well. You're right. I'm like, Gina, have, how have you not launched this app? Because you're right. Like, I mean, I didn't get into all of the details, but like it's, it's like laid out business plan for how smart this <laughs> thing is. And I was just like, holy fuck, Gina, this is such a great idea. Like, never mind the romance. Lean into the app. You're absolutely correct. 100%. Yeah. yeah, it was like, it's as someone who is single and is terrified to go on the apps and like only knows people who have horror stories of like feeling used and abused by people on apps. I thought this is like a perfect in between where I'm not on an app being seen as like one of a thousand, but instead I'm just like, hey, I'm around. What's good? You know what I would call? I would call that app Flamingo. <gasps> and then like the logo would be like a flamingo. Renee, that's brilliant. Thank you so much. It would, and the flamingo would have like a Hawaiian shirt on and some sunglasses, weekend at Bernie style. Um, <laughs> but I think it would be a hit with the kids. Hundred percent. I think it's yeah. a brilliant idea. I think you're sitting on a gold mine. Um, Gina is. Gina's, Gina's sitting on a gold mine. Stop writing you, and focus on your business strategy, Gina. I think both of you need to go into business together because you got the name, and she's got the idea, and then you just got to find your own laser Grayson to. Uh, to be your venture capitalist yeah. and then you're fucking g2g that's what i'm saying that's i love this saying. a showbiz baby <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so what um <laughs> what matchmaker book did you read this week renee so here's the thing i said it was forgettable and i have described this story to at least two people already um one being my boss the other being my son and i know so much about it that i don't think i'll forget it um <laughs> So mine was part of the Prime Mating Agency Collection. Ooh. Um, and just like right off the bat, it was called I Married a Lizard Man. Like, <laughs> right off the bat. Just, just wait. Just wait. Just let that land. Just let that land. Okay. Say that again. <laughs> I married a lizard man. I married a lizard man. Uh, okay. Just so we're clear. Okay. I read Laser Focused. <laughs> you yeah. read... <laughs> Married a lizard man. Um, <laughs> okay, yeah. I'm sorry. Please continue. I mean, I was expecting it to be a wacky story, but it wasn't. It was like this incredible, well-written book, um, which really, anyway, it was written by Regine Abel, uh, a woman of color. Nice. And uh, yeah, so she's a fantasy, paranormal, and sci-fi junkie. Um, she likes hot alien warriors, meaning no nonsense, kick-ass heroines. Um, and in her day to day, she, uh, is a professional game designer and creative director. And she was, I don't know if she's Canadian, but her home was in Canada and now she's moved around. So her latest book is called I Married a Dragon. Um, but she has like a gajillion books, like so many, just so many, um, 
One book is called The Mist Walker in the Mist Collection. The next one is called The Nightmare, uh, which I'm just like, okay, okay. Um, and in the Prime Mating Agency, we have I married a lizard man, I married a naga, I married a bird man, I married a merman, I married a minotaur, I married a dragon. So I'm, I'm kind of here for it. However, oh, she has a book called The Hunchback, which <laughs> oh. that could be a time. I'll come back to that. Um, you know, I have, I love Quasimodo. A hundred percent. Okay, so, um, wow. My book was, it had a lot happening. And the theme of my book is propagation. Um, because it was mostly about farming and mating. So they're trying to propagate the earth and propagate each other. Um, Susan... <laughs> the stupidest name <laughs> oh she looks like a beautiful Susan <laughs> like it's a beautiful little baby who wouldn't name a baby that's what I, I was gonna say that. you've never met a baby named Susan because they don't exist they come out fully they don't formed exist. yeah um so Susan is a third daughter on a farming colony um and the problem is that as a third daughter you don't inherit any land so uh because it's like a matriarchal society sort of but they come from like a religious background so they have like the shame piece down um it's the first daughter that inherits um farmland and the second daughter makes sure that like it's kept up to snuff so that when they inherit it it's it's in good shape the third daughters are kind of just like a backup daughter so once they turn 25 if they haven't gotten married already um into like another farm like they're kind of cast out of their family so susan's like fuck that um i'm gonna get married so she goes to the prime mating agency which is run by like these empath bird people um and so they can like they have like a 100 percent success rate because they match people to like their perfect partner because they're empaths right um and uh so they say okay well um we found your perfect match uh he's like a clan leader on this other planet and um it's it's gonna feel weird at first but i promise you that it's the right match like we're never wrong it's the right match um and he has just kind of like picked whoever he'll just like he's like whoever you find for me is great and the reason for that is that the oracle or the seer in his village has been like you're gonna marry an off-worlder and that off-worlder is going to save our people and so he's like cool i trust the bird people so um she flies over to his planet and uh she meets this lizard man named olix or olix um and he's like this is a mammal and we are lizards um they're like well listen no like your biology is compatible um so you can you can still knock her up and like she'll have a lizard baby um so it's okay don't worry and he's like all right cool i trust you guys no problemo um and so there's the book is a, a lot about like the cultural differences between these two species. And then um, Susan, who is like born and bred as a farmer, finds out that, yeah, these like lizard people are suffering because they're hunters and um, there's no more game. Like there's no more animals to hunt in the area and they don't know why. And so they're going to starve and, and they're being like pursued by this thing called the conglomerate to sell their lands to them um but she's like i just really want to farm it's that's all i love and then alex is like 
I hate farming. Don't ever talk about farming again. And you're like, why? And it's because when their planet was colonized originally, like generations ago, the colonizers forced all this, the lizard people to be slave farmers. So it's like, they're like, we will never farm. We're not dirt diggers. Never going to happen. And she's like, okay, well, listen, um, I respect that. I respect all that, all that business, but, um, I need to eat human food and you don't have that here. So can I just grow my human food? And they're like, cool, no problem. But don't ever ask anybody to help you. So there's that piece. Okay. So the book goes on and it's like, Susan's like, I know how to save the farms and the lands. And so she ends up like selling produce and, and the rest of the other people on the planet are goo goo bananas for it. And they're like, yum, 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 berries. And so she's like, okay, well I'll sell them and we'll be okay. And then the conglomerate's like, stop trying to steal our business. And she's like, fuck you. And then she finds out that they're, they were like poisoning the earth with these like hallucinogenic mushrooms. So that's why the game went away. They fix it. They sue them as a whole, thing. whatever. Okay. I know what you're wondering. <laughs> where's the, where's the fucking. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's about, the book is about farming. It's about farming, but there is some fucking now. Here's why it's it wasn't spicy and you're you're gonna kick me because what made it not spicy was all the consent talk <laughs> oh interesting. And yeah and it, you know consent is sexy i love consent i want consent in my books but there were just pages dedicated to them trying to figure each other out which made it too real for a human and a lizard man mm. in a romance context it was just like oh i don't like this but on my planet we do because it's like on on her planet they kiss and he's like well that's gross and she's like okay but that's like our custom he's like okay i'll learn to like it and he's like i do like it but it's like do you even have lips like you're a lizard um <laughs> but he does um and then his penis is like sheathed in his body and he calls it his stem and so like he has to like move his scales to have it come out and he's like oh she's so squishy and stuff and like they have to like learn what each other likes and then he like they don't have the internet exactly, but they have like some sci-fi version of it. So he decides he's going to like basically whatever sci-fi version of Google is what that looks like for like humans. And he ends up going down this rabbit hole of like pornography. And he's like, this is weird and gross and I will never stick my stem in her butthole. And I don't know. And um, basically it's like, there's like a whole fucking chapter about foreplay because like, the lizard women can like will themselves to be lubricated. And she's like, you have to turn me on. And he's like, okay. And then she, later he's like, oh, I was looking on the sci-fi internet. And it was talking about how you guys lick each other's genitals. Well, I'm going to give that a shot. And so it's like, everything is talked through piece by piece, which is really good and healthy. I think that's wonderful. And I, I'm glad that that's the expectation that is set in this book. However, I could have done without it. I, I was more interested in the farming and the saving of the people. Um, in case you're wondering, she saved the planet by saying, let's hire humans to farm the land. Because mm. she's like, oh, there's all these third these third daughters on my planet and they're excellent farmers and they have nowhere to go. So let's hire them. And he's like, great idea. So they build a village and employ human beings. That's, that's the solution. Um, but yeah, so they, they fuck a little bit. I mean... I could, it was like I was a fly on the wall for really important conversations. 
And I was like, I'm, I was like, oh, I'm so happy for you guys. So it's like it wasn't spicy because I was like, good for you, good, good job, like good, good work. <laughs> How long um, was your book? Uh, it was just a little over 200 pages. Okay, um, so substantial. But like, I would say three quarters of it is very descriptive farming stuff. Now, I don't want to boast, I've done it before, but I was a member of 4-H, and the, the farming references were accurate. They okay. were bang on. Uh, she did a great job. Great job. Uh, she did her research. I would expect nothing less from a video game developer. <laughs> but um, I wanted it to be freaky. I, expe- I expect freakiness with my lizard people and my other monster creatures. That's what I want. Um they they do have a lizard baby at the end. They name him after the bird man that joined them together. <laughs> and and also this book was really like, it wasn't that it was obsessed with virginity, but it spent a lot of time on virginity, which was really weird. Because here's the thing is that like, she has like menstrual cycles and stuff and it freaks him out because he's like, you're bleeding, you're going to die. And so, she tries to she there's like a whole fucking like three pages about hymens and he's like hyman because he's a fucking lizard and <laughs> she's like it's she, it, like, it goes so far to be like you know some women have it others don't some women make it to their adulthood with it intact but many don't and like it's like covering all the bases which is like okay yeah if i was gonna marry a lizard who knew nothing about my anatomy okay yeah i would have that conversation but it was like they were interrupting coitus she's like oh, oh, oh by the way by the way um <laughs> now i have endometriosis on my cervix and so i have interrupted coitus to be like oh listen i'm a, i'm a bleed on your dick don't freak out and so i guess that's kind of what she did um but that gets described as, as bleeding a lot and um in the scene where he like deflowers her um he like gives her aftercare because he's worried that she's really in pain and stuff. Um, and she's just going on, be like, I'm so tight. And I'm like, girl, you're not tight. It's vaginismus. Okay. <laughs> it's, it's a condition and it's caused by trauma. Relax. Um, it's not though. She doesn't have any sexual trauma, but women, I want to hear that you're tight. Okay. It's, it's a condition. <laughs> Go talk to a counselor, get some CBT. Um, but yeah, it just like it goes on. It goes on about that. And but there is a, a funny little interaction around her her hymen blood, I guess. And I'm going to read that for you today. Please do. Yeah. Um. So every chapter was either from the perspective of Susan, the perspective of Olix. I preferred the Olix perspective because I have a problem in romance novels where ugh, you're going to hate this, Julie, where women get too big for their britches. And I, I'm sorry to say it like that, but I, I, I don't like in, in the romance novels we read where the woman is very shy and really timid and she gets married. And then she's just like, I'm going to tease my man to get what I want. And like, I hate that. It's like, if you guys had these really open conversations about what you want and what you don't want, don't just be like, oh, you caught me masturbating. <laughs> Sorry. Like, I hate, I fucking hate it. I hate it. Um, but maybe they had that conversation where she was like, if I want to be fucked and you're not fucking me, I'm going to do this thing. And he's like, no problem, Susan. I think that's a great idea. Like, maybe they had that conversation. It just wasn't included in this book. 
I'm going to think about it forever. So this book was not forgettable. <laughs> I'm going to wonder forever. Anyway, here's the thing, too, is normally when books are like not jazzy the way I want them to be, like there's no Mothman and they're not being freaky, frenzy orgies and shit. I usually just glaze over the parts to get to like the good stuff. But I read every single word of this book because I was captivated by the farming. And it just I read about farming, Julie. <laughs> I read about and they never fucked in the farm. They fucked in like a nest. Anyway. Anyway. <sighs> okay. Jesus. So in the what I'm reading is um so the day after Avajin has has been deflowered and um after that, he like took the sheets away and I came back and took care of her. So um, and Susan has had a fight with his mother because she brought up farming, which is a sore subject for all these uh, former slaves. So anyway, here we go. <laughs> this is Alex. OK, here we go. <laughs> uh, the glow of pride I felt preening under the envious stares of the others as they gazed upon the trophy Susan had bestowed upon me faded at the sight of my mother's anger. She'd been so happy when we first went to greet my mate. What could have possibly transpired through their conversation to cause her to be so upset her scales would redden? Because they changed they change color with their moods, like mood rings. Anyway. Um, I excused myself and headed directly towards my female, who seemed both embarrassed and distressed. She watched me approach with a mix of relief and guilt. Good day, my mate, I said, stopping in front of her. Are you well? Is everything all right? I asked before casting a sideways glance at my mother. Susan shifted uneasily on her feet and chewed on her bottom lip while thinking of her answer. I'm fine, she said carefully. I guess I asked a question that your mother did not appreciate. I didn't realize it was a sen uh, it was that sensitive of a topic. I didn't mean to upset. Susan froze, her eyes widening as she gazed upon the leather harness adorning me. I puffed out my chest, making the harness stand out even more. Her eyes flicked to my wristbands and then to the hilt of the hunting knife. Uh, hanging on my hip. I had woken at dawn and labored all morning on this. Is is that blood? Susan asked with an air of disbelief. Yes, I said proudly. Your gift to me. Her jaw dropped, but I couldn't decide if horror or wonder prompted that expression. I have cut the sheets only to keep the bloody parts that, and treated them with tormedium, I explained with enthusiasm. It has darkened or burned out all the fabric that didn't have blood on it so the blood would stand out. Then I devised it into perfect-sized pieces for my harness, wristbands, and weapons. You only see the dagger now, but I also have a part of you on my hunting lance and bow, I added with a grin. Then I covered the pieces in purified sodomac resin and sealed them forever in this current state, and then embedded each piece in the various accessories. I sewed them in the leather myself, and did the blacksmithing as well. There is one last piece, however, that I have requested one of the crafters to set for me, I confess, I confess sheepishly. My touch isn't delicate enough to craft jewelry, and I wanted two strands of your blood as ornaments for my quills. Susan continued to stare at me for a moment longer, apparently rendered speechless by what I had done. Wow, she said, finally, whispering in a tone that I couldn't interpret. You went through all this trouble to wear my virgin blood? Of course! You've chosen me above all others to share your first and only blood. It is a great honor that I do cherish, I said with sincerity. I get to carry this special piece of you with me everywhere I go. The other males are dying with envy. No other among our people will ever receive so unique a gift from his mate. Uh, yeah. Okay! 
Now, in the book, it's described as, like, a lot of blood. And I was like, really? <laughs> like, did he cut her? Like, is his dick sharp? I mean, I think this proves your point about vagismus. <laughs> I'm saying. I think it proves your point. I, I mean, I th- it speaks to the fact that this bitch has a medical condition. She has a medical condition. She has endo like me. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> she needs a pelvic. But even I, specialist. even I don't, even I don't believe that much. Anyway, she's um, a- it was weird. It was weird. But they love each other very much, and uh, she's really, she's a really good farmer, like strong farmer. Um, and I, uh, I like to see that represented. My interest being represented in books. When maybe my other interests aren't as, um, you know, as present. Like, I really wanted more lizard man fucking. Um, so the farming was like a pleasant, a pleasant replacement if I had to, if I had to pick a replacement. Um, you know, yeah, I just like farming. I don't say <laughs> well, I yeah. am going to take a completely different tone. Um, so, I mean, just, just get ready. Um, I'm, and, I'm buckled up. Because we're going in a completely different direction. <laughs> so, this is a, this is the banter. So, this is them at the bar before they go back to his condo and take it down to uh, Bangarang. They are sort of doing this, like, witty back and forth flirting thing. And she's really trying to sell him on being a client of hers. So at this point, she has not yet decided that she really just wants to fuck him. She's, like, trying to resist her attraction to him and really just kind of selling him on the business. Which, I mean, she's absolutely correct. Like, if you had a shark like him in your dating pool, like, getting him to be a part of your app... Or you're like matchmaking business. I mean, that's a whale of a client, right? Like, who does not want to fuck a billionaire, right? So she's trying to uh, she's trying to get there. Oh, and my Kobo is like, your battery is low. So I'm going to read it real quick before it dies. Quickly. So we're talking about Ashley the matchmaker at a bar in Seattle with Laser, the billionaire. The whale shark. And now, and this chapter, this particular part is from her perspective. Okay. But first, I had to pitch my matchmaking services to him one last time or I'd never forgive myself. Number one, as I was saying in the tap room, which was the name of the bar, happily married men live longer than single men. Singles are five times more likely to die of infectious disease and almost 40% more likely to die of heart disease. They're even twice as likely to die accidentally. Some studies suggest the mortality is as much as 250% higher among single men than it is among married men. Now I'm a thrill seeker. His foot caressed mine. I like living dangerously. You know your statistics. Sorry, I'm a bit of a statistics geek. I shrugged. I have a good memory for facts and figures. It just, it comes in handy in the job. I believe the key word here is the word happily, he said, returning to the original topic of conversation. How much shorter are unhappily married men's lifespans than their single counterparts? He rested his hand on the table. I placed my hand on the table next to his. That's where I come in. I'll find you the right wife. He shook his head. Maybe I'm not concerned about living a long time, just living well. What else have you got? Well, being married increases your earning power. I touched my knee to his beneath the table. He laughed. You think I need more billions? I beg to differ with your assertion. The wrong wife could take me for a pile of money if things end badly. 
we're not talking about the wrong wife. I have sound methods of determining compatibility. But I take your point. In your case, you probably don't need more earning power. Probably? I arched one eyebrow. This one should interest you. Marriage preserves your bloodline. Now you're talking children. He made a point of shuddering. Ooh, you're joking. I don't need to be married to have a kid. I don't even need a girlfriend. I have plenty of money. I can always hire a surrogate. I'm not like my friend Riggins, the Duke of Witham, who has to have a legitimate heir. He was friends with the Duke. Of course he was friends with the Duke. Being married assures you don't die alone. Right now, you're young and hot. Oh, so you think I'm hot? He grinned and gave me such a flirty look, I had to clamp my legs together to still the ache. Scorching, I grinned back as our dinner arrived. Neither of us had touched our food as we continued to spar. You're too hot for your own good, for now, but time has a funny way of slipping by too quickly. What about when you're 65, old, fat, hair growing out of your ears and nose? You paint such a flattering picture, he waved a hand over himself. Behold my impeccable grooming. What makes you think I won't buy a nose trimmer and keep working out? You'll still be old and losing your testosterone levels year by year, I countered. He was delightful. And, uh... I'll still be a billionaire, he snapped his fingers, and able to attract the 20-year-olds by the power of the almighty dollar. I shrugged, trying not to laugh. Maybe, but is that what you want? Is that how you see your future? One hollow sexual encounter after another with women who only want you for your cash? That's a shallow substitute for a long-term loving relationship with your soulmate. Maybe I like shallow. If I really believed that, I would have given up right then. And then that's when wow. she gets into more sex. Married men have more sex than single men do. One study done by the Kinsey Institute suggests that 23% of unmarried men periodically go a whole year without sex, while only 1% of married men experience a 12-month dry spell. And then just, like, keeps fucking hitting them with math. And I have dyscalculia, so right away, if you work in the area of math, I respect you, because that is a skill that I could never have, because my brain <laughs> is quite literally broken, and it won't let me. Um, and, oh my god, that's so funny, my Kobo literally just died. <laughs> wow. So, good thing I ended when I did, but, um, yeah. That was perfect timing. Perfect timing. Um, it was a, it was a fun mean, little romp, if you will. I mean, it's sexy, but it's not, like... I mean, she thinks my tractor is sexy, right? No, I mean, she's not fucking a lizard man, let's be clear. Um, <laughs> no. His dick was huge, I should mention. Uh, just in case people are... Like, I didn't mention that, you know, his penis... He's got a big penis. Um, he's a lizard man. Uh, I mean, as we know, we've talked about this before on the love show, I am a size queen. But one of the things that I did love about this book is I also have a very um, sophisticated olfactory <laughs> i have a garbage palette in my mouth like if you made a recipe and you were like does this have too much cinnamon i'd be like i literally didn't even know there was cinnamon in this like i basically have covid mouth all the time and i've never had covid but my sense of oh, smell that explains why you suck you sucked it. <laughs> perhaps yeah that might yeah. be it but <laughs> i have the most sensitive nose and i'm oh. like i almost like i have a sophisticated like olfactory like my nose palette is like real it's a thing so i'm like very much into scents and smells and like there are very few things in this world that get me fired up more than like a really nice cologne 
And even the perfumes that I wear, like I wear like almost kind of masculine. I just like love that. And so she talks a few times in the book about how not only was he like very sharply dressed and, you know, well-tailored suits and like all the things that are also very much delicious, but like how he smelled really nice. And then she, because she's a matchmaker and knows these things, like figured out the exact name of the perf- of the cologne. And he was like, yeah, you're right. And I just like, and his like apartment had like a scented candle. So it smelled like pine trees. Anyways, I was like living for the ambiance of this. And it's why I get so thrown oh. by historical which you know i love a historical romance my favorite yeah but i have to really pull myself back from getting too in like too in it because i just keep thinking about no one washes their balls people are wearing like 45 layers of crinoline or whatever the fuck and they've been sweating all day and they're just like eating each other out like i just find it it takes me out of the story because i'm just so repulsed by the idea i know and you know what? I would urge you not to let yourself get bamboozled by a good smelling man because <laughs> one of the best one of the best smelling men I've ever known. Um his Facebook profile picture for a really long time was him and Ted Cruz. So, you know, the Zodiac killer. So um I feel like you just you gotta be careful. Don't get duped. That's all I'm saying. Well, I think our listeners should also know before we end out this episode <laughs> that when I met and then had a private meeting with Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, the first thing you asked me was, did he smell good? <laughs> yeah, and you know what? I, I, I was right to know because he's done a lot for poor families in this country <laughs> like myself. Um, and he did. You, know, you, you can't judge a character by the way that they smell. However, um, he smells good. You got to do Got to do a little digging. Got to do a little digging. And uh, yeah. when I hugged him and gave him the little bizoo bizoo, so I was like right up close, I was like, yeah, this man smells good. And it's a thing. Yeah. It's a thing. Every man I've dated has had incredible taste in cologne. Oh. My dad, oh, like my dad has always worn really great cologne that like literally women on the street have asked him like, what is that smell? Like I just, there's just some, like all the candles in my house are like masculine smelling. I just like, it's a thing. I have um, I have a thing with smells, and so I you know really what? appreciated I that this dude smelled nice. I'm I'm glad. I'm really glad because if it was like his balls stink, I'd be like gross. Um, <laughs> but like, here's the thing: is that like, I don't have the biology, like the pH for perfume. I'm like almost allergic to everything. You always smell lovely, and you've given me some perfume, and on me, I'm just like getting migraines and shit. I can't do it. But the best smelling person. I've ever met in my life was Carrie Fisher. I don't know what she was wearing. And I've heard from other people who have met Carrie Fisher that she smells incredible. Recipes smelled incredible. Um, And I wish I knew what she wore because I feel like, you know, bless my space mom. Like that perfume probably would have worked on anybody. That's so interesting. I mean, incredible. I don't remember you saying that about her smell, but also the fact that other people have commented on that. That's see and she's a good she was good people she was good people she was the best people so but you know what also she had ect so i feel like maybe if you get electrocuted maybe you smell better maybe it changes your ph i, I don't know but um i mean apparently for that theory multiple celebrities like multiple someone made a col- like a montage on instagram of celebrities talking about how rihanna smells amazing and 
it sounds like it's like almost like a more masculine scent. Anyway, she dropped a perfume this year and it's on my wish list to get because multiple people have talked about how she's like the most incredible smelling person. And so I, yeah. I got, I can't, and it's like, it's gotta be the right amount too, because like sometimes I'll see a beautiful man and then he smells great. And then I get in the elevator with him and I'm fucking choking. Cause it's so strong. Um, so it's like, yeah. it's gotta be subtle, but it's still gotta be noticeable. It's a whole thing. I'm a yeah, fan. I got this. I'm very sad I, that I, you can't partake because yeah, every scent gives you a migraine. You I poor try. peanut. No, not all of them. If there's a, a rose hint, I will absolutely immediately. And um, I had a client who was wearing like just rose and I was like, I'm so sorry that you got beat up. Like I was just dying. But I have this like, I want to smell spicy and sensual. Like that's how I want to smell. The only thing I can wear that is like patchouli and then I end up smelling like a stinky hippie oh, and I don't want to smell that way. No so I got that. this like Kat Von D perfume and it worked. It worked for a while. And now I think because I'm in mourning, mm. um, my pH is different. So when I put it on, I'm like, my head hurts so much. <laughs> so, But the only thing I can wear is fucking vanilla. So I'm smelling like a cookie everywhere I go. <laughs> and like men are just like, mm, yum, yum, yum. And I'm like, back off. Just I'm not a cookie. I'm not going to make anything for you. I want to be spicy and not giving you mom energy. Yeah, that's hard. Yeah, that's hard. It's the only one I can wear, and I hate it. I just want to. I just want to smell nice, and I can't because I am sensitive. <laughs> well, I mean, on the topic of smelling like cookies, yeah, yeah, we're getting into that time of the year, buddy. That time again. It's that time. Holidays. Ag- the holidays, which unsurprisingly, if you are new to the show. I'm sure you're not going to be surprised to know that there are hundreds, if not thousands, if not millions of romance books Mm -hmm. about the holidays. We're not just, it's not just Hallmark making cheesy Christmas movies. It started off with books. And so Mm -hmm. we're doing dealer's choice like we do with our October. So we're just going to be anything related to the holidays or what we're going to be reading in the month of December. Um, So it could be Christmas. It could be Hanukkah. It could be New Year's. It could be... It could be, you know, straight, I'm living in a small town and I ran into the love of my life. It could be, I fuck Santa Claus. I mean, the possibilities are endless. We're excited to go on this journey with you. And uh, join us. Last night, my son was like, what are you reading? And so, of course, I went through the whole farming thing with him. Um, And he's, I was like, well, Christmas is coming up with the holidays. So we're going to, he's like, what are you going to read? I was like, oh, I don't know. I was like, I've read pretty much everything. I was like, I've read elves. I've read like this or this. Like, I haven't read a Krampus yet. He's like, I don't even, he's like, it probably isn't any. And I was just like, I popped it into my e-reader real quick. I was like, Krampus romance. And it was just like pages and pages <laughs> and page. He was like, oh my God. It's like so many pages. And then um, the sweater weather book uh, that I read last year came up. Um, oh. The one with the Empreg. Remember? Mm-hmm. We went down that rabbit hole where we learned how a man could get pregnant in the romance world. And so then I explained that to my son with pictures of Sonic the Hedgehog being pregnant. And then we decided to call M. Preg Sweater Weather. So that's, oh, well, that's what, when I say that now, um, now we'll know. I'm thinking of, of men impregnating men. And, we'll, and my son was like, or like, because he's a, he's queer, right? But he's never really had a relationship. So he's like, do I have to worry about that? Like, do men want that? I was like, no, that is written exclusively for women. Don't worry. <laughs> this is what we are into. And I can't explain to you why. 
And he's like, oh, okay, if you do, so relieved. So um, not going to read Splatter Weather this year because I've done it. Um, but I have a few doozies lined up and I am excited. Love this journey for us. Love this journey for our listeners. As always, thank you so much for listening to the show. Make sure you go and follow us on Instagram where Renee is always so funny. She manages our Instagram. But also you can see the covers of our books this week um, and find out about, you know, when our episodes drop and all that jazz. So it was nice chatting with you, Renee. I'm excited to enter into the world of the holidays. Me too. Me too. What a time. What a time. Do you want to sing us out? Sure do, bud. Ravage love. Ravage love. Bye. Bye. Artwork for the show is created by Karen McKnight. Very special thanks to Josh Shenfield for production assistance. You can find Josh on Instagram at Fushigiyami. That's F-U-S-H-I-G-I-Y-A-M-I on Instagram. Connect with us at RavageLove on Instagram and Twitter, or by email at ravagelove.podcast at gmail.com. (laughs) 